0: This episode is brought to you by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. And by Pollen, access your app store revenues faster and fund user acquisition straight away. To sign up, go to pollen.vc. Everybody and welcome to untether.tv. I'm your host and founder Rob Woodbridge. Density we talk about this all the time, the concept of density, and you know, if you've listened to this podcast or if you've watched this podcast anytime over the last four years, you understand that density means the number of people that are using your product in a given spot. It's also the name of the company that I'm actually sitting down to talk to today. Uh, they are located in San Francisco. I have their app. Unfortunately, it doesn't work up here in Ottawa, but not many things do work up here in Ottawa. But I did sign up for a couple of their notifications, and we're going to get into what this application does and this service does. But before before I actually we do that, I uh, I want to bring in Andrew Farah, who is the uh, founder and CEO of Density.io. Uh, Andrew, thank you for coming on to Untether TV. Appreciate your time.
1: Oh yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for the invite.
0: I want to give you an opportunity here to talk about what Density is. So for those that don't know, or that have never used it, or have never listened to another one of our podcasts, uh, what is Density?
1: Well, we uh, we tell you how busy your favorite coffee shop is, and when it's quiet. Um, Ideally, we're eventually going to be able to do that for an entire city so that you can see when the DMV or the bank is is quiet. Um, But it's kind of irritating when you show up to a coffee shop that's Usually it has no line and then you sit in line for, you know, 15 minutes and then pay $5 for really good coffee. <laughs> <You> know,
0: <laughs> it's it's like, like, you know, so we don't have a long attention span, right? And, uh, and you know, I've heard of, so I spend most of my time in the mobile industry, as you know, and, and, and talking to people about how they can use mobile to af- to become more effective. And I guess this is it. Nobody, nobody wants to wait in lines anymore. Is that what started this whole thing?
1: Well, I mean, I think loyalty is sort of the most important part. People are going to these places anyway, and they're going there regularly. And uh, especially for like an SMB, um, the majority of their their business is built on loyalty. Like an enormous portion of of their customers are people that are there, you know, twice a day or once a morning or or whatever else. So,
0: So. you know, it's really interesting to think about that because a lot of... I mean, I I certainly know that the companies that I work with and I spend a lot of time with are focusing on that very thing, is that putting mobile in in place, mobile anything in place in order to be able to satisfy their existing customer base instead of going after new customers to begin with. Uh, How important is that? right? As you said, loyalty is key. And is this a loyalty play for those coffee shops that are using it?
1: No, this is just useful to loyal loyal customers, (laughs) Um, and and which is why I I think it's less about discovering at this point Mm -hmm. and more just about rewarding people that are there already. Like if I'm going to Phil's coffee twice a day, which is something that I do relatively regularly, um, I'm not going to not get Phil's coffee. Um, I'm going to not get Phil's coffee when it's busy. Right. Um, And so, like looking at a phone and seeing how busy that place is doesn't necessarily mean that it's like, um, oh, it's really busy. You know what? Uh, Forget Phils. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a uh, you know, I guess a a stump town you know coffee customer now. It's just not how customers make their decisions. I don't think.
0: You know, it's interesting because uh, if you're a Phils guy, or if you're a Starbucks guy, or up here in Canada it's Tim Hortons. If you're one of those brands, or even now you're starting to see McDonald's become a coffee shop, right? But not really. But, you know, people go. Um, But if you're if you are I mean, if you're loyal to that brand, um, does does the fact that a lineup occurs matter to you, as you said, you're not going to go next door to get a different coffee, are you?
1: Well, no, I mean, I I guess I should explain like we we essentially allow someone to get notified when the place gets quiet. So it's not just about being able to show real time capacity. It's about being able to say like, OK, it's slammed right now. Just tell me the next time that it starts to get quiet. I get coffee in the afternoons. I don't get coffee at 2.15 every day, you know? And, and, if, and if like, if that's how most people operate, which we think is a relatively good guess, then I'm in the middle of a meeting. Uh, everyone's like, yeah, you know what I could use? I could use an afternoon like boost. And you look at like blue bottle coffee and it's really busy and it's just like, well, let's like hang around here for another 20 minutes and, and then we'll go when it's quiet. And then we're not even wasting 20 minutes.
0: Right. So is this, was this, this is your service for these coffee shops right so i mean you bring something in you bring a a 3d printed sensor in that puts it on the door and and counts how many people are in and out right that's ultimately what what, what it comes down to
1: yeah is this video yep. is this video being recorded oh yeah so, so yeah we we install essentially this on a yep. door frame and uh if this is a door frame and then as people walk past in and out we measure bi-directional movement in real time in and, and out. then yep in and out just with one sensor yeah, and then um, we stream that live, and we process all this analog data, and we turn it into essentially plus one and minus one. And then over time, we can see um, not only like historical foot traffic, um, and not just real time, but also eventually predictive. So, don't go now, but go in like 25 minutes, and it's very likely to be quiet.
0: Based on historical data, right, uh, that you've collected over the, no, over longer than a week or two,
1: which drives exactly which drives traffic when there isn't any. So, like most SMBs will say, I would really like consistent uh, stream of foot traffic, mm-hmm. and what I have right now is these giant peaks and these really huge valleys. And so I've got a bunch of staff who are there for the peaks, and then afterward they're, you know, cleaning lamps and
0: or you know. <laughs> right. going home early or complaining that there's no business. Um, yep. You know, uh, we uh, we met. Not not physically like this or virtually like this, but well, we heard of you um, and we covered you in a podcast this week in location based marketing. Where I think we railed on you, and this is I, I mean I love the fact that you you reached out and said, listen, I'm very interested in in defending my business uh, to you sons of bitches who uh, who have now just. I don't think I said. I don't think I said that I no, think, I I that, think last that I'm just bit. I'm looking between the lines, right? To, <laughs> but uh, you know and I love it uh, I, I love that you reached out and 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 wanted to, to have this conversation and in that episode what we talked about was this this idea of I, I mean I, I don't think I was as harsh as maybe a Cif was in that in that episode for the first time ever because I I, I love the idea of this uh, th- this being an aggregated data play where you can understand the ebbs and flows of businesses and then there's you know when you abstract the business and you put the layer of, of you know people coming in and out as you said you can get predictive um, but but the, the the question that a C had and i think this is a good valid question is who wants to, to broadcast that they're slow i mean that's what it came down to is that who wants to broadcast that there's nobody in their stores or in their coffee shops and i think that that was the thing that got us stuck is that you know if i'm if i'm if i'm pete's or or something else next to pete's do i really want them to see like pete's is busy but i'm not and and will that will that create um i, I don't know a perception that if i'm always dead that maybe I shouldn't
1: go to that place? How do you, you know? Well, so I think you're presuming that installation will happen, that there isn't like a particular location type, like a a place type that we're going after right now, uh, that is like, it's everybody. It's like the shop that's like to the left, the shop that's to the right, and we're just trying to get in as many as possible. And I would say that that's, uh, it's sort of the wrong assumption to start from. Um, We're going after places people really love and places people really hate. So, uh, blue bottle coffee is adored by, by San Franciscans. Um, the DMV is despised by San Franciscans. It's also despised by a lot of other places. And the thing is that the DMV, they just want to get people in and out quickly. Like they're not enjoying the fact that it's busy and taking forever. So
0: I think they do. I think that there (laughs) are people, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, DMV,
1: maybe they actually, and, and like
0: the tax office and the passport office. I think those guys love the fact that everybody in line is angry. So, But Maybe. you're right. I, I like that idea. Said you, you're, you're, you're focusing on the, on the places that people love and the places that people hate. It's a really and clear so, answer.
1: And so as a result, um, we don't actually find that our sensors go into places that are mediocre. They're going into places that are really popular already. And yeah. that means that they have no trouble with new customers. They have no trouble with loyalty. Um, and, and so we're not really like dissuading anyone from showing up, we're, we're just giving good data to customers who are already super loyal to that place.
0: You know, one of the biggest challenges and, and we go through this every five years up here in Canada, now it's every 10 years to get a passport, right? And they always say, you know, show up at 7.30 in the morning because it's the quietest at 7.30 in the morning. But if you get there at 7.33, you've missed your window. Now you're going to be there for four hours. So if you get there at right. 7.30, it's 15 minutes. If you get there at 7.33, it's four hours. It's like ordering the Apple Watch, right? At 12.01, you got it already. At 12.03, you're going to wait till July, right? It's right. It's that kind of... So, I mean, I, I can really understand the value that this brings when it comes to providing me a little bit of context, because maybe at eleven forty there's an opening for me to get in there and be efficient, right? That's the nut of this, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, the next time you're at a bar, yes, um, like look up at all of the people in there, and and just for a second think this is all lost data, and it's all lost data simply because there's nothing listening, and so. So the question is what should listen right. and the answer to that is, I, I think at least, um, it has to be real-time, accurate, anonymous, and cheap. And If it breaks any one of those four then you end up with a sensor that is uh, invasive of a person's privacy like video surveillance and facial recognition software. So you know, what, what if in addition to being able to pull up like, essentially like a, um, a constantly improving catalog of all human knowledge that sits in your pocket At all times. You could also say like how busy the bank is and it it just seems like such a simple thing but people count is enormously challenging and traditionally has been unnecessarily expensive which is why we don't see it in places like you know Blue Bottle Coffee or sort of you know the local, local bubble tea place or whatever else it might be.
0: So why is that? So you guys just figured out a way to make this cheap?
1: Yeah. Cheap. That's it. Accurate. Well, accurate, real time, anonymous and cheap yes
0: and that's so i mean you could have gotten very complicated when you did this right you could have gone in there and sold them this in you know incredible experience of you know a mobile this and an nfc or a low energy bluetooth i mean how did you come to this which was just basically a traditional like basically a, a an in-out counter how did you come up so, with that
1: all right well so the there's a there's like the the, the story we tell and then there's the real story um <laughs> Would you like the latter? Or I the would former? like the
0: real story behind this, yes.
1: So we started off with MAC address tracking. Yep. We had a unit that would listen for Wi-Fi signals. Now this is like back when MAC address tracking wasn't like super popular or really well-known. Yeah, You're frowned <clears> upon and, eventually, yes. And then eventually got frowned upon. Yeah. So we had MAC address tracking. We were trying to accomplish the exact same like utility function. And our argument was people are willing to trade privacy for utility. Gmail is a really good example of that. Mm-hmm. There are bots that sort of scrape all your data and serve you ads. But it's useful enough that you're willing to overlook the privacy sort of intrusion. Um, and then Apple made a policy change, and when they made the policy change, it essentially it was an eight-second slide in WWDC, and it said, "Oh, by the way, we're randomizing Mac addresses on phones." in the new yeah. And the, and the Wi-Fi tracking industry just exploded. Yes. And they went one of two directions. They, uh, they sold their companies. Um, and a good example of this is Nomi. They sold to. Uh, a larger company that does video surveillance. Um, they also laid off like a third of their staff or something like that before that. Um, and then the other half of the industry, because a lot of people relied on Wi-Fi tracking, um, doubled down. And a, good, one, a good, good example of that is Euclid Analytics. Yes. They, they essentially yeah. said, like, no, we can still derive really meaningful data from this. But the thing is, no one really knew to the extent, like, how often were they randomizing MAC address uh, tr- the MAC address that would go out in the probe request, and you weren't going to find out until iOS eight. Yep. So they made the announcement in June, and then you had this like period of time, and then iOS eight was coming out in the fall. So we're like super early. We're not even we're not in one of the categories. We're just like, <laughs> what do we do next? You know, do we like do we die or do we just like build a door counter? And we were like, "Well, how hard can a door counter be? Like, this is a solved problem. It it has to be out there. We could probably buy it and then install it, give it some Wi-Fi connection, and you know, voila." Well, it turns out, it turns out this is like probably the hardest thing I've ever worked on. (laughs) (laughs) And 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 the thing is, like, the reason it's hard is not because like the components are 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 expensive. Like, uh, infrared our sensor is infrared. Um, infrared is cheap, uh, you know, the housing is cheap, the, the Wi-Fi unit is cheap, the power supply is cheap, like the circuit is cheap. The problem is noise. Like, the signal processing on, on infrared is incredibly challenging. In fact, it's so challenging that every year, uh, audio files have a programming, like, like competition for who can write the best algorithm to best understand uh, sound, like sound signals. And, and um, like when a, when a sound I think when a song starts or something like that, so anyway, long story short, we started down the path of people counting, and had we known how hard it was up front, we wouldn't have done it, but now we have so.
0: It's just got this perception that it's not hard, right? That it's very simple. Like the hard thing would be, you know, uh, connecting it to the internet and getting an accurate count and then displaying that in a way that humans can understand, right? So like the way you've done it um, and putting it in English, which is the way that your app does it, right? It's not busy. It's busy. I get notification every every morning at eight o'clock that my coffee shop in, in San Francisco is ready to go. I can be in there Ottawa. by four, you know, um, but so it's interesting that that what you think is an easy simple solution becomes a very complicated one which is probably why a lot of people haven't done it but uh, you know you said something that was very interesting to me which was this you know this data also has to be inclusive right so I'm, I, there are people who, who don't walk around with Bluetooth on, who don't walk around with Wi-Fi on, who never log into public networks, who, who lock their devices down, who might get randomized with a MAC address. You know, you can do some, some algorithmic uh, calculations in order to be able to see how many times that the MAC address changes. But, um, but accuracy is so key for you because if you lie once, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if I go in there and it says it's not busy and there's a lineup around the corner, um, then I'm never, ever, ever going to use your app again. Right. So the challenges totally. are many here. So how do you how do you help overcome this? Right. Like, you know, you're only as good as your data. And that must have been the the key to building this company.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the few moments that we've had when there was like a breakthrough in in like algorithm development or, or like signal processing was I mean, they were just like, I, well, so I, I should say, we don't actually charge the SMB, so we give it away for free. Yeah. Um, we we partner with startups who have pre-existing relationships or networks of SMBs. And that was actually the other concern that you guys brought up was, how do you distribute sensors and be, become meaningful? Mm-hmm. So we actually don't sell them ourselves. We find companies that have existing networks of SMBs and then use that as a warm introduction to do an installation, and then we sell that data back to the startup. So a good example of this would be, um, there's a really cool company up in Portland called WorkFrom, and they are a directory of good cafes and bars and restaurants to do work from as a remote worker. Mm. And they have a listing of the Wi-Fi speeds and the plugs and access to tables. And the only thing they don't have is capacity information. So if I'm going to walk 15 minutes to that cafe to do two hours worth of work, and I show up and I can't sit down, then it doesn't really matter that their Wi-Fi speed is really good. Um, but I don't know those cafes up in Portland, and they do. They've got great relationships with all of them. So not only are we essentially in a position where if our data is bad, then we're bad, but we're trying to power other startups and be sort of like a small engine within their functionality. So we there's a big responsibility in making sure that we don't tarnish their brand as well.
0: No kidding. So it adds this compounded pressure to you. Um, but if, if uh, you're charging those guys, uh, so that's where you make your revenue from, right? Is that that's you correct. charge them to, and you sell the data back to them. But then w- w- you have your own app that, that mm-hmm. kind of gives you uh, an example of it, right? That shows uh, the same kind of content that I guess they would be showing. So how does that work?
1: Well, so whenever we, we essentially, the hardware and installation is free. Yep. And the cost per, um, we charge per sensor per month. Yeah. And it's, like, really cheap. Like, we're trying to make it as cheap as possible. At this point, I think we're at, like, $25 per sensor per month. Mm-hmm. Um, they get an API, access to real-time capacity, and they can integrate it into whatever app or website they want. Um, but because it's cheap, the trade-off is it's a, it's a non-exclusive right to the data. So we get to consume it ourselves, and we can resell it. So as soon as Yelp wants the cafes that we've already installed in, we're happy to give them real-time capacity as well so that it just shows up in their listing and that's how we end up with much larger scale is being able to sell the same data multiple times users getting used to something in a niche app and then saying well why isn't it in this like larger application that has all these other pieces of data like menus and stuff and they just, you know, they call us and we say, sure, we'll turn it on for you.
0: And that scales. That's the way that it scales. But, I mean, the key is also is, is to make sure that the hardware is in, in all these shops. Like, do you ever see a, a point in time where you're you're no longer using the, the in-out counter?
1: I don't or know. I really think it's, I think it's a fundamental problem. Yeah. I think knowing how many people walked past a threshold is a fundamental problem. It is. And the difficulty or, like, the problem with fundamental problems is that they're really hard to see because they're things that you interact with every day and that there isn't an existing solution for. Right now, there, there just currently isn't an existing solution for how busy is the DMV. Yeah. And if we can solve that consistently and in varying environments and varying temperatures and varying door frames, then I think that this will be something that goes into conference rooms on corporate campuses to tell you whether or not there's an available conference room. Um, I think it will go into public public spaces, and I think it will go into... And, and then the resultant data, once you have enough density... Um, I mean you could say how busy is the financial district between in calendar year 2015 between January and March I am Nielsen market research firm and I want to understand foot traffic trends in the financial district in San Francisco like show me the foot traffic and then I'm gonna compare that with all the other data that I have Um, or I'm a corporate realtor and I'm trying to understand the next best place to build a building I mean to get to that the only way to get there is massive distribution but the only way to get massive distribution is to focus very, very simply on places people love um, within existing networks uh, for other companies, who, who can essentially say, this is Andrew, he'll be here for 15 minutes, he's going to put something in, it's, it's free, it's not going to cost you anything, and we're going to drive traffic when it's quiet. And in five years, maybe we can sell to Nielsen, but right now, you know. Maybe you, create keep-
0: a, you create a mesh of all of these, a little network, a mesh network of all of these sensors, you know location is, is is so important right because for these things the brand is very important location is very important do you think at at a time uh, you know in the not so distant future when somebody says, "Listen, I'm going to buy your business from you," right? You you can see the obvious, uh, you know, um, you know, metrics of success, which is revenue and all that. But how, how important do you think this data that you're collecting about in, out, and density is going to be for for people selling businesses or real estate impact, right? So there's a there's a perceived value of a of a of a house or a perceived value of a business or a building, but then you've got this layer that you're creating on top of it, which is okay. You really want to know what what the number of people are in and out of this building. It'll, it'll give you a sense of, of how how you can monetize that location, right? So does yeah. this data become as valuable as the land at some point? How can data become as valuable as land? I thought it was location, 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 not land, land, land. Anyway, you'll hear uh, Andrew's answer to that question right after we hear from a sponsor, and that sponsor is Thinknears. This episode is brought to you by Thinknear. Here's Kate Walling, Senior Marketing Manager at Thinknear to remind us what they do. Thinknear is helping brands reach all of us on our mobile devices so that we don't have to think and so that we have this helpful
1: experience, find the solution that we need and just basically make our life easier.
0: Part of making a great product is building a great team. And to do that, you need to create a great work environment. So what is it like to work at Thinknear? It's a lot of fun. We're very, very scrappy.
1: We're a team first
0: and we're a business second. It's fun from a technology perspective because we're using the latest technologies and good practices uh, for building software. Our
1: team lives and breathes location. We actually literally dream about it too. So that's a joke, Is a joke and the obvious is we, we all have these crazy dreams at night about location. We play Halo together, we play basketball together, we play ping-pong together, we do meals together. There's a basketball court in the parking lot that gets a lot
0: of use, there's the ping-pong table and it's just a very social collaborative group.
1: We also, we're a team that care, we care a lot about each other and I think whenever you're in a, an environment where you're, you're working hard and Working at the edge of things, that always helps.
0: For our engineers specifically, don't let anyone schedule meetings with them in the afternoons. And for anyone who's an engineer and has constant meetings all day, they can appreciate that our engineers have six hours every day with no meetings scheduled. And they love that. Think Near, where engineers can't wait until noon. And now back to Andrew Farah
1: of Density.io. Does
0: this data become as valuable as the land at some point?
1: I mean I I don't I, I don't I don't know. And that's kind of the cool part is I don't really know. Um and I don't think that anybody really does when you're at this stage in a company. But I think that we've got some hunches that feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, things that we've been thinking about and arguing with like other smart people like you, you know, and, and like trying to tease out what is like the best path and where is value and how can we be useful. Um but I think that, I, I really do think that it could be tremendously valuable. And I think it could be tremendously valuable to like all sorts of weird, different types of customers. Like the use and me is just trying to get a cup of coffee. And the coffee shop who gets more traffic when it doesn't have any. And the mobile application that is like a request feature. So I can say, like I want a discount and it's like automated. There's a reverse surge pricing. As soon as it drops below 20% capacity for, for greater than 30 minutes, all of a sudden, anybody who who shows up gets a discount, or anybody who shows up in a mobile application gets a discount. I mean, you know. And then there's market research firms, and, and we won't get there for a long time. So, is
0: is the audience sophisticated enough? Like maybe in San Francisco, maybe in Portland, right? Uh, mm-hmm. There's a level of sophistication in in the in the coffee shops that far exceeds Lincoln, Nebraska's coffee shops. I'm not picking on Lincoln. It's just it just you sure. Know. Um, but you know i mean is is this a sophisticated play do people that you approach or the companies that you approach understand what this means
1: well startups do yes um, oh yeah absolutely and startups are the only ones we have to sell um okay. sort so, of the local business the local business is so busy making great coffee or like making great uh uh, you know a great dish that they they hardly have time to look at their own analytics and make operational changes right. so it's even less likely that they'll look at a competitor's data and make operational changes um, so so which is exactly the reason why we decided not to charge the SMB Be- because I, I don't really think it matters that there's like this complicated convoluted way of like eventually monetizing the data it's just look we're going to do this thing through a trusted relationship that you have with say belly card you know, or a trusted relationship that you have with Five Stars or with uh, Eat24, Seamless or Order Ahead or Instacart. I mean like just go down the list and you're going to find a startup that is hyper local that has an existing relationship or physical infrastructure and can simply say, yeah, this is going to help us sell more of your stuff. So just like put it in, like give them 15 minutes and, you know, just kind of set it and forget it.
0: And go. Uh, and you're doing it in an anonymous way because it's just in and out, so that you're not capturing people's data, which is very important. And, and uh, you know, but at, at the end of the day, the data that you're capturing does it belong? It belongs to, to the the SMB. It belongs to the startup that you're targeting. It belongs to you. It, it's it belongs a, to us. It belongs to you. And it do you belongs think to us. do you think you'll be able to hold on to that as these SMBs <laughs> become more sophisticated?
1: Well, I'm actually less concerned about the SMB becoming more sophisticated and a little bit more concerned about a large network like Yelp saying, Mm -hmm. we want an exclusive, Um, we'll install it in all these places, but we want an exclusive, which kind of like, I guess it's okay as long as there's a premium, but to be honest, we think that data should be open and we think it should be available to like college students who are trying to do like really interesting predictive models on physical movement, you know, during an emergency or an earthquake. And then to be able to pair that with like, interesting third-party data like, like weather or like, events, and then to be able to use us as a baseline for what's actually happening. And I, I don't think that happens when you just go to one company and say, sure, like, you know, color us red, like, we'll, just, we'll just sell to you. Um, that said, though, that, that's why we're going after startups that are relatively niche. Because if we can go after startups that don't have an enormous amount of leverage yet, yet, then one, we can grow with them as they get larger. Two, um, regardless of whether or not the startup goes out of business, and we hope they all stay in business, but even if they, they go out of business, then we, uh, we're we still installed. Yeah. And then the last thing is um, if it's a standard in a niche loyalty program, then why shouldn't it be in a mass market? You know, Why shouldn't it be a standard in a mass market? So our leverage to a larger company like Yelp or Foursquare is... Well, we're already powering all these other, I mean, we could take your customers who are really excited about capacity, who we think like consider capacity to be a, a killer feature because one, it's re- real time and two, it's like meaningfully affecting how much time they spend in lines uh, and they can go to some other application. So either you get okay with or comfortable with the, the non-exclusive right to the data, you know, or we'll just continue to power the small guys until they become big guys.
0: I love it. You know, because capacity is that, that third axis right now. And uh, it's very interesting, especially what you're talking about. Is you move into, you're in you're in coffee shops, but if, uh, if you move into places like restaurants, amusement parks, movie theaters, bars, everything like that, uh, you know, cities, even right. I wouldn't, uh, you know, I think of arenas, and I think of I'm Canadian, so I think of like hockey games and beer stands, right. So you start to think about those things and what it powers, and it, it's it's fascinating. And and you know, I I know we're under time constraint, Andrew, and I'm I'm so appreciative that you did reach out. And, uh, and, and came on because uh, now I'm going to be tracking you guys and uh, we're going to have you on again, say in six months, to have this conversation again and see how things are going with, with, the, with the company and, uh, and your growth. Now, you, you have raised money, you have, uh, you have been funded a little bit? Yep, we're it's venture-backed. Venture-backed? It's
1: mm-hmm. like You've done a well, Series A? No, we haven't done a Series A. We're seed. Um, we're not public with how much we've raised, but we have five full-time and we've been, we've been at it for about a year. That's great.
0: Well, man, I, you know, if, if you want some more information about what Andrew's up to, go to Density.io, Density.io. It is, it is single-handedly. It's a great name to begin with. And, and uh,
1: Thank you. And it
0: always reminds me, as I said, George McFly, which is, uh, you know, uh, I am your density, which is what he, he says to Lorraine in the Back, back to the Future movie. Um, density.io. And if you happen to live in Portland, where are you guys right now? You're in Portland, you're in San Francisco, uh, where else are you? A handful of,
1: locations, handful of locations in Portland, a yep. um, uh, handful of locations in San Francisco. If you happen to be a big Coupa Cafe uh, uh, coffee lover down in, in Palo Alto, we're there yep. too. Yep. Um, and yeah. then we have a handful of new locations rolling out relatively soon.
0: That's great. Well, we'll keep an eye out. It. I mean, I've got the app on here. When you come up to Ottawa, I will check it out. We don't have any of these, there's no pizza at, Ottawa at this moment. <laughs> but uh, listen, Andrew, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for doing this.
1: Likewise, thank
0: you, folks. We've been speaking with Andrew Farah, who is the uh, he's the CEO and the founder of a company called Density. Go to density.io, and if you're in those locations, go and download the application from the App Stores. Uh, is it Android and uh, iOS right now, or is it just, just iOS? iOS just man. iOS at this moment. But uh, for those of you who are uh, just a small percentage of the world who are using iOS <laughs> in that area, which is San Francisco and, and <laughs> Portland, go go download Density. Thank you, man. Thanks for doing this. We'll see you next time on untether.